Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. Welcome back to another episode of the 50 Most Relevant, where I count you down who I think are the best fantasy footy prospects for you to consider in 2022. The good news is, as you're listening to this podcast episode, yep, AFL Fantasy is open, Super Coach is open, Dream Team, my friends. Good news for you there as well. So if you haven't had a team picker or anything through the freezer, you can log into your formats. Now get involved in your 2022 fantasy season. It is well and truly underway. And we are halfway, believe it or not, through the 50 most relevant, the number 25 for some may be surprising, especially with the news that's just come out about him over the past week. I think he's still very relevant, so we must talk about him. Elliot Yo is the point, the person of focus on this episode. Joining me, as we do with just about every West Australian now, I feel like, is when we bring him on. I've got Jordox, mate. How are you, my friend? I'm good, MJ. People are going to think I'm from WA. I'm not. It's just, it's just pure coincidence. I think I'm just going to typecast you this preseason. Yeah. <laughs> so, look, if a Sean Darcy yeah. appears in the, in the 50, we might have to get you back, um, yeah. amongst others. But, look, I'm really excited to get your take on, on Elliot Yo. Still just the 28 years of age. And so, in, in a normal sense, he certainly would be at the prime of his footballing career. A 118 last year was his best score in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team for this midfield eligible only Eagle, while it's a 117 in Supercoach against the reigning Premier's Melbourne. Neither of those are anywhere near career high scores for him, though. you got to go back to 2017 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. It's a 152 against the Crosstown rivals, rivals Fremantle. Well, it's a 150 the following year in 2018 in Supercoach against the Gold Coast Suns. Last year, an average of 83. That's for AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. Well, it's 86.5, but due to him only playing 12 games last year, the good news for you is you're not going to have to pay for him at that exact same price point uh, in some of the formats anyway. Um, he's an interesting player because he's going to set you back 470K in Supercoach, a touch under 700,000 in AFL Fantasy, and then just marginally over for Dream Team coaches. Jordox, we'll get to the positives and negatives, and certainly from a fantasy perspective in a sec, but with guys that have been injury impacted for one, two or more seasons, sometimes as a fantasy coach, we can gloss over or even completely forget just how powerful and dominant a player can be. And on his day, Elliot Yo is one of the more well-rounded footballers in the AFL through the midfield, isn't he? Absolutely. And, and you know, we're going to talk about the injury troubles he's had. And, and it's such a shame because right around the time West Coast were, you know, charging and won the flag was he just became, uh, you know, he hit his peak and, and he was mm. just so fantastic to watch. Um, and, and, you know, if you owned him, I, I remember several games where he'd just go tackle, tackle, tackle. And it'd be like a quick plus 12 at, at yeah. one stoppage. He was absolute machine. Um, and then fantasy aside, yeah, great player to watch. Um, and certainly someone I've always thought would be great if he uh, played for my side. 
Yeah, just his ability that started off his career as this rebounding defender um, up at Brisbane, then became at the West Coast Eagles, became this really strong intercepting player, found a way to then reinvent himself across half forward and, and almost become this third tall amongst the, the Darling and Kennedy duo down there, then moved into the back line again and somehow redeveloped himself yet again as this complete package midfielder right through that premiership era um, or year, let's be fair, for the Eagles. What he offered in those years was just grunt work at the contest. Really, really tough footballer in the offensive sense of it and also defensively from that tackle count. I'm sure we'll look at that soon. He's just a beast in that column and then he's actually quite a really good user of the ball when he does seem to get the ball. So he's got these skills and abilities to, to be a really well-rounded footballer. And the past two years, we've kind of been robbed of that because for big chunks of 2020 and then stops started through 2021, groin issues or osteitis pubis issues really stopped him and the Eagles from fulfilling their potential. But from a fantasy scope last year, from those 12 games, just the 83 average in dream team and fantasy, three tons, four extra 80 plus scores, super coach, an average of 86, five tons and a couple over nineties. And then in that another injury impacted season of 2020, a dream team and fantasy average of 71.5, one ton, six additional scores between 67 and 80. So it, yeah, playing the adjusted game, yeah, it's, it's an 89. If uh, you want to look at what he did in Supercoach, um, much, much stronger. Um, scored a, a ton in five of his 10 matches. So five of his 10 matches, 100 plus. Two of them under 70 and a seasonal average of 89.9. Again, not amazing, but there's cause for why those years weren't brilliant. And I'm always hesitant, Jordox, to deep dive too far back in, into the data. Because if we were to do that, we'd make Scott Pendlebury look relevant again. Um, and we're not going to do that. But just we'd as, have to look too far back. <laughs> well, that's very true. That's very true. But mm. if we were to look between 27 to 2019, where he just missed two games in those three seasons, I, I know, drastically different to what the past two years have given us. But this is the type of footy pedigree Coaches are hoping to get at this price point in that 80s average point. Um, a 98.3 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, 106, 102. While in Supercoach, 102, 107.8, 107.6. It, it, it probably is the limitation of what he could be is that mid-range hundred. But if you could get, and this is the could, I suppose, where we look for the optimism, if we could get 20 points per game of value out of what we're paying for, given coaches are really striving to get the top end dogs in each line, he could be that perfect sort of M4, M5 option for coaches to just get those last missing pieces of the puzzle to get that structure and balance just right. He could. He could, and, and that's what we're trying to do here, crystal balling the season ahead. And with Yo, it, it, it's just it's hard with, with that two years of, of, of the injuries. But, you know, uh, you were saying before you can't go too far back. But realistically, 2019 
feels like a lifetime ago. <laughs> um, for for Victorians, reasons, it but, does. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, for many. But um, but no, it's only a few years ago, and that was before you know the, these injuries struck, and he was a dynamo, you know, averaging um, over a hundred. So look, the, if the narrative is he's he's back to full fitness, and mm. I think recently we've heard that that might not be quite what we thought. Um, it might be even a delayed start for him. But if he's raring to go, absolutely raring to go, and he's playing the preseason games and, and you can see him and he's good to go for round one, then, then yes, he could be. Um, but there's a lot of ifs and buts to go, go along the way first. And that's that challenging component is we always look for the hypotheticals and and the possibilities and the variances that could come through the preseason. But all you can do is navigate your way through the way the cards have been dealt for you. And right now, the fact is Elliot Yo's at time of recording as recent as this morning, um, only on light duties for the West Coast Eagles training. So not competing in main session. Um, Also not in the complete rehab group, but doing light session. Um, the club aren't bullishly knocking the door down saying, yeah, it'll be right for the community series. Yeah, no problems for round one. They're obviously taking a very conservative and cautious approach and understandably so. Um, they still believe they've got a chance to go deep into finals this year. Having him cherry ripe in January is not going to help their finals tilt at all. So, so there's going to be a level of conservative approach from the West Coast Eagles medical. But from a fantasy coach perspective, as we near the final few days of January and starting with the formats now open to really get a bit more serious about our sides, coaches are not entering into the Elliot Yo conversation with as much confidence as they might have even a week ago, let alone now as we enter into the month of February over the coming days. It's not a good time um, for prospective coaches to see um, yo, you know, just doing light duties, but it is early. I mean, we got a ways yeah. to go until round one. We do, and I think with with how conservative uh, we're obviously going to be with him and managing him, um, I think you can look at that, you know, as either a concern or on the flip side, if he's named round one, mm. you have to kind of think he's good to go because you know if they're going to be conservative and manage him, but then start him in round one, um, you'd have to think he's he's going to be okay unless they're planning an early rest for him, which, you know, is another thing that makes me nervous, but uh, yeah, there's a long way to go before there is. we have to finalize our sides. But yeah, I think there's going to be a fair way for people who may have been hot on him and they're just going to cool for a minute. Yeah. There's some interesting prospects when you look across a similar price point. Again, not everybody's looking for um, his price range at a, at an M4 and an M5. And, and depending on the formats you play, you might be others, you might just love a pure guns and rookies style approach. So you're looking for the best of the best midfield premiums you can get and then cash cows. But here are some of the names that he's competing against. I'll, I'll just use AFL Fantasy and Supercoach, purely use the midfielders just to give you a run of in this mid 80s range. These are the guys that you're selecting him around and against. He's 5,000 more expensive than Caleb Sarong. He's 10,000 more expensive than Patrick Cripps. For another 15-odd K, you can drop down and maybe get a third-year breakout in Noah Anderson. 
then even just in these few, there's a couple of really tasty forward options in Dustin Martin, who's been Mr. 90 plus for years in AFL fantasy and dream team. Taran Thomas, who had an elite run home to end the year. Jed Anderson, should some of his um, vaccination status be updated? He could be a really tasty option for coaches to consider through there, as is Lockie Weller. If you like yourself a defensive line, Lockie Ash is also through there. So this is just within a handful of scrolling while in super coach again just within a, a 20k radius without going over so sorry bailey smith you're not getting yourself a mention here um tim kelly six thousand cheaper jordan de back training with the club again tyron thomas who we mentioned just earlier noah anderson and patrick cripps all rolling through there plus caleb sarong Luke Shuey's at 440K this year in Supercoach. He's been Mr. 100 through there for a long, long portion of his career. And then if you don't mind a, a potential bit of value, a guy we've already mentioned in the 50 most relevant in George Hewitt down at 399K. So he's not exactly priced in a range where if it goes pear-shaped and you do approach, there are plenty of other mid-prices through there to jump on. But there's also, it is a tough position because in that mid-80s point, you are looking for something that's going to push closer to a, a premium level scoring option rather than just, okay, I'll, I'll make 50K out of him. That's it. That, that is a, a dilemma for coaches too. Yeah, it's an interesting area of the pricing, isn't it? Because, you know, on first inspection, it feels a little high for someone that has risk, but then you've got to remember there's million dollar players now. So yeah. that 700K mark is, you know, in fantasy and dream team is a bit different to what it once was. That's very um, true. But the guys, are, the guys around there all offer different levels of um, optimism. Risk or, reward, you know, yeah. Risks, yeah. So uh, it's always a dangerous area, that price area. So for me, you need to be pretty confident um, you're going to get a return. Work. I mean, the the first thing, the thing with Yo as well, if it wasn't for the potential, you know, and hopefully this doesn't happen, but for injuries to flare up again, is worst case scenario, he's fit. He's going to get 90, 95. Oh, that's your worst. Yeah, case. I agree. So he's going to gain. I, I agree. But, um, but what else could you do with that money in that area? That's the question. Yeah, that'll be the, the forever evergreen thing. Look, the possibilities of Elliot Yo certainly all depend on his health and fitness through the preseason. But there is, a, there is a world where he has the proven ability over multiple seasons across all formats to push mid-105 plus and go on runs where he's actually closer to 115-120. You get a hot start like that over the first five to six weeks of the year. It doesn't matter if you see a little bit, bit of regression. He's put the damage on the board and you've banked those scores. So, so for me, and I'm keen to get your take on how he goes about building his scores in a second and, and some things that we want to see that we know he does well, that we want to keep an eye on in the preseason. But for me, if you're in the market for a, a guy in the mid-80s price point range, um, in AFL Fantasy, we're just looking for a quick, a quick turn of 50 to 100K and bank some points or in the other formats, you're looking for some value that can elevate up. Some of those names I mentioned, they're not proven. And Noah Anderson is a forecast. Caleb Sarong is a forecast. He is a proven performer. And sometimes we always 
look past the older statesman um, and look for the shiny new toy. Yes, he's got a bit more injury concern history than those two. And, and that's absolutely a warranted approach. But sometimes we discount the statesman of, of fantasy scoring for the new flashy toy. And for me, that's always filled with danger because if you do that, you would have missed on someone like a Jack Zebel last year. Um, so these guys that just because they're older, just because of their history, just because of that, that's okay. That, that's not enough for me. And I, I think I say it on just about every podcast with a, a player that's got an injury risk. You start them or you completely ignore them for the year. So if you're like, oh, I just want to see Elliot Yo play five weeks. And if he plays, then I'll jump on. Nah, wrong approach. It, it's a start or it is a pass for him in salary caps. Different in drafts, but that must be the approach. You cannot upgrade to a guy um, that you're discounted in your starting squad due to injuries. But uh, Jordox, you, you've gone through the stats and the columns of how he builds. If, if he is to play through the community series and some of the practice matches, what are some things that we should be observing for as coaches as positive trends to give us some confidence if we are in the market to start an Elliot Yo? So with Yo, I mean, he's 28 now. And my, my concern with him as a, as a fantasy player, and let's just take the injuries aside because we have gone on about that a bit and it's, it's, a, it's definitely something to consider. But let's just say he's, he's raring to go. I mean, across his season, he's, he's been a bit of a journeyman around the, the park, like you mentioned earlier. He was you know, he's even key defender early days. It's, it's a credit to him that he's, he's played all these positions. But the result of that is, for me, he's never really been... A, a fantasy player that I've looked to to try and get my hands on. He's right. he's had two seasons across his career where he's averaged over a hundred. Um, um, dream team in fantasy, yeah. In, yeah, sorry, in those comps. Um, and for me, at that age, I, I want to see a player who who fills the stat sheets in every column. And for me, Yo's not a one-trick pony. That's a bit disrespectful because he's a fantastic player. But in the fantasy world. He's a tackler. He, he, he scores. That's, that is his strength, without question. Yes. And it's his strength, but I, I don't like players, certainly towards the end of their career. Like, if I compare him to Jack Steele, who started off only tackling and yeah. has now found his way. Nice example, you know, hottest player right now. <laughs> but, but you see what I mean? He's, he's towards the end of his career, like the latter stages, and that's still his main way of scoring. So I thought it'd be interesting to look at how many times across his career oh, yeah. he's had 30 touches or more Okay. versus how many times in his career he's had over 10 tackles or more? And I, I wanted to ask you which one you think he's done more times. I, if I were a betting person, I would be going all in on the tackle count, just it, knowing that's his strength. It wouldn't make much sense to my story if, if, if it was the touches one. But I did find that interesting. And, <laughs> and to be fair, he hasn't always been a midfielder, but he's only no, that's true. Um, had 30 or more touches nine times in his career. Yeah, wow. 177 game career. And then he's had 13, uh, sorry, over 10 tackles 13 times. So my point with Yo is um, if he doesn't tackle, he doesn't score. So the last time he scored a fantasy ton, and this is Dream Team and um, Fantasy, sure. without laying at least five tackles in the game was round four, 2019. Yeah, so we're nearly Long talking 40 ago. games by then, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. And then his two best seasons, the only seasons where he did hit the, the ton in, in Dream Team and Fantasy, 
Across those two seasons, only three times did he score a ton and not tackle five, um, lay five or more tackles. So you could say, hmm. well, Jordan, that's fine. The guy tackles all the time. There's no issue. Sure. My concern is if there's enough games where he just doesn't get the tackle, he might be playing it. It might be a free-flowing game. There's not as many stoppages. Certainly the AFL wants the game to look like that. They less do. stoppages, less tackles. And he doesn't lay five tackles in a game. Statistically, or sort of historically, that means he doesn't score me a ton. And for that and the injury concerns um, and the starting price, um, I, I, I don't have too much interest in starting him. Yeah, and, and you're not going to be alone in that thought process too. For some, it was not nah, his value and all I need is an interrupted free pre-season. No, nah, injury. Okay. All right. That, so so there are there is a world where, where the hype train of Yo can get derailed very, very quickly. He's also, he, he he's done plenty of pre-seasons now in his body. And if the medical staff at West Coast can get him up and firing in the next six, six to eight weeks, that's enough for me um, to get a mini preseason because I look at how he does build and you're right. Tackles is, is that bread and butter. But for me, when I, I'm looking for a player to go for a fantasy ton, if they don't hit that regular 30 possession quota regularly, well, they, when I'm, I need to build a column of goals, tackles, marks that gets somewhere 10 or above in a combination of. So Yo's historically sort of a low 20s possessions guy, but if he can get marks, goals, and tackles to to kind of merge the stat line all together to combine to 10, that's when we're going to see him average 100, which is what we saw in 2019, 2018, and also 2017, although he he did marginally fall short of, of 100 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team while did hit it in Supercoach. So for me, that's the thing is, can a... Can Yo get 20, 22 possessions a game? Yeah, I think he can. He's a high-impact player. He's not a volume player. Can he get five to seven tackles per game? Yeah, it feels about his normal range. Then it's the opening up of the game. Can can the Gath in game involve and move and grow? That, so that's what I'd be looking for. If I was a, a Yo truther, which I've certainly got him right on the watch list for me, gosh, I wouldn't put him in the middle of the 50 most relevant if he wasn't somebody that I was seriously considering um, people to look at if they needed this range of price point. Um, some go, well, Caleb Sarong's 10 points back in your list. Why have you got Yo there? Here's the answer. Sarong's done it for half a dozen games. Yo's done it for the better part of 60 so, yep, there's a big injury risk with Yo based on his history. But there's also a real substantial lack of data. Yep, new kid, absolutely. And so that'll always play against him. But that's the challenge for coaches, is it? Is it the emerging breakout or the proven workhorse that just needs a tick of luck with the body? Both need things to go their way, and it'll be fascinating to see how coaches go with Elliot Yo. I think the longer the preseason goes, He'll completely become irrelevant or he'll only grow in coaches' eyes as for confidence for what he could do in 2022. So that's all great and well for salary caps, but drafts, you can't trade him out and go and get a like-for-like replacement if things go bad. And so your availability is one of the greatest weapons you can give your coaches on draft day based on his potential Jordox, he's got the ability to push up into that sort of 
top 20 midfielder range of scoring. And also, like we've seen off the past two years, he's got the ability to give you a just rosterable score on the midfield and then only give you 50% of the games available. Where do you think, and I know it's trying to look into a crystal ball, knowing when people do drafts and, and what it is, where do you think is a standardised kind of midfield position people will go for him on draft day? Yeah, I think uh, for draft, it's going to be fun um, because he's going to slide. He's going to slide. It's going to be interesting to see yeah, how far yeah. he slides. Um, he does have the name. Yes, he does. Um, that goes for of doing it. But the average next to his name with the, you know, well-reported injury troubles he's had. Um, and then obviously, you know, I think people are going to try and get a couple of big, big mids um, along with those forwards and the backs. And then, I don't know, I find sometimes you just sort of, you get a couple of big mids and then you start building your forwards and backs. So the mids just get pushed out even further. I could see Yo pushing all the way fifth, um, yeah, yeah, it's very possible. Grand, potentially, um, you know, realistically, I reckon in between four, five, probably M four, M five. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah, but you can see a world where I can see a world where you're sort of scrolling. It's late. You've already got a whole bunch of, and say, like, oh wow, well, Yo's still there. Oh, put him in. If yeah. he's fit, he will. Uh, he'll help support that midfield for sure. Yeah, I, I'm a big believer that when it comes to your drafting strategy is every pick should always support the next pick. And so if you're jumping on a, an Elliot Yo, uh, again, it all depends on timing because if he turns the corner with his fitness and um, and strength in his lower body, then okay, well, yeah, an M3 is probably feels like a reach right now in late January, but in five weeks' time, that might be the right range to get him. Whereas, as you said, Man, there could be rounds where people are looking at their last one or two midfield spots going, yeah, I suppose Yo's got some upside. I'll, I'll, I'll jump on. Um, for me, if I was drafting Elliot Yo, I'd be protecting that pick by drafting an extra mid-heavy on my bench. That's how I'd be doing it. I'm always a big believer that drafts are one and done through the midfield. They're the hardest line to replace. I feel like I could find an 80-something forward or an 80-something defender most weeks playing a match-up game off the waiver wire, whereas trying to replace a, 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 a hypothetical or a potential 100 to 105 mid, which he is a proven doable, gosh, that's really difficult. And if I got that value at an M4 range or an M5 range on draft day, I'd just protect it with another pick. So as you pick Elliot Yo and everyone on your league just hits you up with, ah, you've gone and got Mr. Osteotis Pubius. What have you done? I'd just be going, cool. I, I'm just going to draft another mid. And I'm just going to protect the pick. Um, others will take risks in other lines, and that's fine. But I will always bank on taking a risk of a guy that that could be in, in the upper tiers of a line. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So where would you have him? Uh, M4. I'm comfortable with picking him as an M4. Yeah. Um, again, yeah. in the next couple of weeks, things may change and date the advice. But right now for me, if he's there at an M4, I am absolutely taking because that you're saying that's in between the the 30 to 40 odd best midfielders in the game. And he, he absolutely can deliver return on that. It's, it's nice on paper if you've got Yo at M4. Absolutely. You're feeling good. But again, 
that's like people Wait, right now with, with, with sides in their team. They're like, this is the perfect structure. It's like, yeah, well, every cow is playing and no one's injured. So, of course, <laughs> you're going to be fine. So, that, that's definitely the way. Um, Your team sort of never looks. looks better. Your team never looks better than before round one. Always looks good in January, my friend. It always mm. looks good. Hey, Jordox, as always, man, appreciate your work on these podcasts. No worries, mate. If you want to go and check out the article on Elliot or any of the other players revealed so far, like I said, we are halfway through the 50 most relevant now. You can go and check it out at coachespanel.tv. All the links for our Patreon supporter group are there. There are team reveals from some of the panel members that are not being released to the public. They're explaining who they've picked and why, some of their little sneak tips and tricks. You can go and check that out. You can get these podcasts 24 hours early, cash rewards and a bunch of other stuff. If you want to join the Patreon, it's one of the great ways you can not only get exclusive content, but also support the work of hopefully you've been enjoying this preseason from the coaches panel. Tomorrow, we get to the number 24, the 50 most relevant. And we've talked about, I suppose, this broad range of what could happen today with Elliot Yo, where he could be one of the best value picks of the year that saves you cash, or the lack of durability could come back to hurt you. I'm heading to the forward line tomorrow, and I think that statement could be very true for this player too. If he's fitting on the park, just in the past couple of years alone, He's got a ceiling that's as good as anybody. But could the brother please keep on the park? He's got a lot of hype this preseason, though. And the hashtag more midfield time? Oh, yeah, he got that too. Who am I talking about? You'll find out tomorrow in the 50 Most Relevant. Yeah.